On today's episode of Equip, we'll be doing a Zoom interview with Chris and Sherry Burkhardt as they share very candidly about how their individual journeys have helped shape their family's ability to cope with mental health struggles. We're especially excited about this episode as Sherry is the executive director of Mosaics of Mercy, whose partnership has helped make Equip possible. Let's dive into the discussion. So, you know, Sherry made the comment about, you know, yeah, we're in there and we're talking to our kids about what's going on and the experiences that we've had and we're talking about feelings. But, you know, the reality is I was a train wreck inside. So though I'm talking about these things and really trying to do many of these things, because I wasn't grounded in a good place, it was really difficult for me to walk with my kids as they were experiencing their own struggles and help them navigate through that in a way that would ultimately lead to that better outcome. Mental health challenges are often kept in the closet or even swept under the rug. We know they can affect anyone from adults to children and the struggle is real. Join us as we talk about relevant topics with mental health experts. Welcome to Equip Online, a place for hope and help. Well, welcome to Equip Online. I'm Wally, this is Brian. And this week, we're joined by Chris and Sherry Burkhardt, who will be sharing very openly about their own journey towards mental well-being as a family. And Brian, I'm going to let you take a moment and uh, introduce them, give us a little back background. Absolutely. So Sherry and Chris, I understand you've been married for 24 years. Is that correct? 25 now. 25. Okay. <laughs> Did you just have an anniversary? Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, that's awesome. Awesome. 25 years. And you guys are the proud parents of, you have a 20 year old son and a 16 year old daughter. Okay. Those ages are correct. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, just a quick little background. So Sherry is a registered nurse and also the executive director of the nonprofit Mosaics of Mercy that serves as a resource hub for mental health right here in Montgomery County. And I just want to, just a quick note that, um, Equip Online is a partnership of Stonebridge Church and Mosaics of Mercy to help bring about this content and really bring out these discussions and bring our guests. So Sherry, just a quick word. We're just so grateful um, for this partnership, for the friendship, for the way that you guys through your uh, nonprofit have allowed us to kind of get to know you and um, you've taken time to help us understand all the great resources and counselors and support groups in our area. So we're excited about this partnership and the way that God's going to continue to use that. So it's an honor to work alongside of you and excited about this conversation today. Um, and, uh, and Chris is um, married to Sherry, 25 years. We got that part right. And so, Chris, you are in financial services. And uh, right. like many people, uh, working from home, learning the home office life a little bit during this season, I understand. Um, but uh, I love uh, – so, so, Chris – you are really, one of the things you bring into the workplace is I know your heart is to really try to inspire others around you, bring an optimism, bring an authenticity, and really a desire to want to help people. Um, I know that's something you're passionate about. You really try to bring that to the table. And so, uh, so anyway, we're excited about this conversation. So to set it up today, our topic, um, really throughout your marriage, uh, you both have been passionate about being authentic with others about your trials. Um, and then communicating how God has used those moments to refine you. Um, and then you love to share the blessings that have poured forth through trusting in his process, really. So it's, 
that's part of what you guys love to do is to to, to be open to to not just give the the Facebook version of yep here's Chris and Sherry their perfect little life look at this world we got it all together but to be honest about it, no it's we've had some struggles we've we've been through a lot we've learned a lot and so it's really um that story we're going to get into today and and I understand probably a, a key message for you guys coming out of that is don't quit before the miracle is that right that's been kind of a one of your life messages you feel like in your story. So, uh, hey, without further ado, we want to jump in there and uh, and get to hear more about the things that uh, y'all have experienced on your journey. So, Wally? Yeah, I mean, that don't quit before the miracle, I feel like I've already gotten everything I need out of this episode. <laughs> I know, isn't that a great, so it's a great word. I love I that. I love that. Yeah. Well, both of you, Chris and Sherry, y'all have had personal experiences around mental health in your growing up years that uh, have contributed to your perspective on this topic. And so, we're curious or we're hoping that you'd be willing to share some about that. Yes. So um, we'll just jump right in and get off in early <laughs> on with that first question. Um, one of the things, uh, in case people don't know the framework for what mental health means, mental well-being involves how we feel, how we act, how we cope, um, and how we think. And so early on in my life, those were all areas that I seemed to struggle with. <laughs> Events, you know, outside of me would happen and I would have all these feelings and I didn't know what to do with them. And then my thought process went, well, this means there's something wrong with me. Like the fact that that event happened and I don't have a framework for it, there's something wrong with me that caused that. And so then I just, as a result, developed a lot of shame and, and, then chose or found ways to act to relieve that. And they weren't healthy ways. And so what that led me to was struggling with um, anorexia and then depression and really a whole long list of things. But, but it was a, a real struggle for me. Now on the outside, my family, I, what I say is we checked all the boxes, check the boxes family. And don't mean that in a bad way. What I mean is that we, you know, went to church. We were involved in our faith. My parents were involved in the community. We, my parents are still married. You know, our extended family was involved in our lives. We had family dinners every night. So when you look at, you know, what makes up what culture tells us, this is, you know, what you need to do. Um, we checked those boxes as a family, but I was, I was struggling. And so my parents did seek um, help for me and we went to counseling. They counselor couldn't figure out what to do. They called in a nurse and and still was struggling. So they ended up pulling me out of school at age 15 and checking me into a psychiatric hospital on Mother's Day. So not the, the Mother's Day that um, I'm sure my mom expected to have when I was 15 years old. Um, but it was the best decision that, that my family could have made and I'm still so grateful. And the other day, I had I celebrated 30 years of recovery wow. uh, in May, and my parents were saying, if we just would have known then what this was going to look like 30 years later, because at the time, I mean, that's just not what any parent wants to experience. It's not what they had planned for their lives, for my life, and, um, you know, not, I mean, I was a straight-A student and, you know, a cheerleader and all these different things, but... I was I was just really falling apart. Um, the other thing that came out in treatment was I struggled with alcohol um, as a result of the trying to cope 
with those feelings. And so when I was in treatment, they recommended I also um, get into recovery for that so that I didn't switch addictions. So so I've had continual recovery from my eating disorder and um, alcohol for 30 years. So, and then I met my my husband. And her life was complete. <laughs> All right. Well, does that wrap us up? <laughs> 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 what I was missing all along. <laughs> no pressure, Chris. Yeah. 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 Twenty years later, we realized that is not the truth. So, yeah. So you know, so similar to to Sherry, you know, I I too had my own struggles growing up. So if you look at my home life growing up when I was young, you know, very similar, very similar story. So the stereotypical, you know, healthy all American family. You know, dad had a, a business. He was successful, really involved in the community. My mom was really involved in the church and different you know, charitable events and activities within the community. We'd go to church every Sunday, super active, um, church camps, just all these kind of things that look great. Um, family vacations, you know, doing all the right things on the outside. What, what actually ended up happening is my dad went through some really difficult financial times. And during that period, I didn't realize it, but all this stuff was going on. Um, and in the midst of it, there was this turbulence, I guess you could say, within our family. But again, I didn't realize what was going on because what happened in my house is that everything looked great on the outside and everything might be falling apart on the inside, but nobody would talk about it. So consequently, I never really developed any kind of coping skills to deal with difficult circumstances, the feelings that might be associated with that. So during that time when I was young, I ended up turning to destructive behavior. So at a really young age, I ended up being introduced to drugs and alcohol, and that became a prominent coping skill for me throughout all of my, my teen years. And so um, fortunately, you know, my mom, um, still having an interest in the well-being of her family, ended up doing an intervention on me, invited a number of people who were actually friends that were much more stable in their life. And they ended up kind of pouring out you know, their heart and sharing their concern about what was going on with me and where I was at. And that ended up um, convincing me, really, to go ahead and accept that offer of help. And I ended up going to, uh, tr to treatment for 30 days. And that was really the turning point for my life. So wow. that resulted in what is now over 30 years of continuous sobriety from drugs and alcohol, for which I'm eternally grateful. Wow. I, you know, the story, I mean, kind of what is amazing this, I love the, um, a little bit of this theme of, it looked like you said, checking all the boxes on the outside. Um, cause I think that's such an important message for people to realize is that any, you know, mental health struggles and, and where we get into, um, negative coping kind of things, that's not always a result of, oh, well, obviously this family was look at them. They're all completely messed up. And we sometimes have a stereotypical version of what causes that. But, but really, both of y'all are describing, you know, parents that were really trying to do the best they could for their kids, provide a lot of good experiences, raise you in church and all that kind of thing. And, but the fact is, um, struggles are still there. You know, they, they can happen anywhere. And uh, it's just such a good, I think it's a good reminder because I, I see that a lot in my own experiences. And, and the other thing that I love is that that's got to be so difficult when that moment happened where both of your parents had to realize 
wow, it's kind of shocking, but they both did what they had to do to help you guys get on the path of help that you needed. So anyway, just, just really, really cool even to hear that. So I guess, so y'all had your individual journeys and then you fall in love. These two people that, you know, have been on these journeys and you're still working through a lot of things, uh, just like it happens in every marriage Two broken people really that are trying to be, get on a path of healing, then come together. And it's not that, okay, now we fix everything, right? Like you said, Chris, we complete each other. But how did your individual path, paths, how did that affect your view of marriage as you now come into marriage? Maybe speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, you know, individually, we obviously had grown a lot. Um, but what that led to was a lot of and not, you know, hindsight, you always see things differently, right? I didn't know this 25 years ago. It makes so much more sense now. <laughs> but back then, I didn't know that I had these unconscious expectations that, okay, you know, we're going to continue on with the check boxes, you know, and, and, and then we've added some. Like, now we have these tools. We have, you know, recovery. We have all these things. So that means that our family is not going to have these struggles and, you know, there may be struggles, but it's not going to look like crash and burn, you know, which is what this looked like. Um, and so, and it kind of, people fed that into us, not in a bad way, but people in 12 step rooms would say, if I only had gotten in recovery when I was your age, I mean, I was 15 years old. So of course, you know, they're, 45, 50 years old, and they're like, wow, if I would have gotten this information then, which was so true, but I think I interpreted that as, well, then I have all the information now. I'm good. Hmm. And then we would go to church, you know, and, and be involved in small groups and all those different things. And it was like, wow, y'all have such a strong foundation and, you know, such a big faith because faith is a huge part of our recovery journey, you know, and learning to surrender and turn those things over to God. So as a result, I came in with these expectations that, okay, this is, you know, going to turn out a certain way and very driven to not have my children experience those things because they were painful. And even though they turned into blessings for me, obviously that's not what I wanted for my kids you know, to have to experience. Right. Yeah. I'm sitting here just laughing inside because it's so similar in, in many regards. So I tell this story frequently about my dating experience prior to marrying Sherry. And so I had come to realize that if I was dating somebody, usually it followed a very, very similar path, right? So the first three months would be bliss. The next three months were Okay, but problems started to emerge. And by nine months, relationships off the rails and it's over, right? So Sherry and I are dating the first three months of bliss, the next three months of bliss. We get to nine months, we have no issues. She's the woman for me, right? So I'm carrying this expectation that, oh my gosh, she is absolutely my soulmate. Like this relationship is meant to be, it's gonna be perfect, like no issues. So Similar to sharing that concept of expectations, I'm thinking to myself, like, she's the one for me. This is made in heaven. So we're not going to have any problems in our life. And then similarly, because I have that foundation of working on myself and 
and having all these new tools to make sure that I'm good, I don't think we're going to have any problems. But mm. you know, what we realize is that though we might be working on ourselves, that's a whole different story than working on mm. your relationship together. Yeah. And so consequently, you know, as we're doing life together, we, we have a lot of new and different experiences <laughs> that challenge us in ways that we have never been challenged before. And so despite the fact that we really enjoy being honest and transparent about what was going on in our life, going on in our life we still had things like that going on, challenges that we had to face and not necessarily having all the right tools to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Now, see, you talked about earlier the key buzzword, and it just brings my mind back to that again. Don't quit before the miracle. Mm -hmm. So y'all get married, been married for a period of time. I'm sure that uh, like any other marriage, friction, different things that uh, come up that may even take you back to some of the things you experienced that led you to where you were mentally wise uh, as teenagers. So from the perspective of marriage and raising kids, how has that changed your perspective with regard to seeking and finding mental wellness in this stage of life? So, you know, I think that what Chris talked about, like, you know, we got married and, and I mean, I'd say that, you know, it wasn't like smooth, like total bliss the first five years before we had kids. But I mean, we were still rocking along because we really still could take care of ourselves individually, you know, and then bring that together. We had the the time. Um, but I'd say the first big blip for us was that when we had our son, who's now 20, he was born with a whole bunch of medical difficulties. And um, it was a very stressful time. Um, I was supposed to be working. I couldn't work. Um, we needed nurses to come stay because... He would quit breathing. All the all these things happened. It was there's just a lot of anxiety. Um, and for someone who had already struggled a lot with anxiety, and then also the need with eating disorders, often comes the the desire to be in control. Like mm. I couldn't control my outer environment, so I'm going to control mm. my eating. Well, so having this kind of thing spiraling out of control <laughs> around me um, with these medical issues was was a real challenge, and that was mm. probably when we really, you know, started to see some some strain in our coping mechanisms bumping up against each other. Um, you know, and, and the thing that I've, you know, learned as the years have gone on is just because we have, and we do have a solid foundation, and, and I don't feel like we've ever strayed from, from a lot of those solid principles, that doesn't mean we have the tools for navigating new things. Um, so sometimes, our mental health can be affected by internal things like what we experienced, you know, as teens, but then sometimes it's external things. And for us, the external part was this medical condition that caused, you know, a lot of <laughs> internal struggle, but it was, it wasn't that we had a mental illness going on. We, we had an external situation. Um, and as life went on, I mean, and I'm condensing, we could talk forever because God has given us just so many experiences in our life. Um, and, but, you know, what, what came up for me around my mental health in our marriage is that because I like to feel in control, it, I developed more of what I would call hypervigilance. And so you know, if I'm, I want everything to work out because that was my expectation, right? So if something wasn't 
going right with one of the family members, I want to try and fix it and stay on top of that, you know, to prevent any pain to anyone. Mm. Um, and so, um, so that was, you know, a, a friction point for us because that's not how he copes. And I'll let him talk about his own <laughs> circle of coping. But um, or not coping. Or not coping. <laughs> Um, so for me, I'm trying to be hyper vigilant and take care of everyone and really found myself even using the family members and how they're doing as an ability to regulate my own emotions. Um, and so, I mean, it's taken me a, a while to unravel all this, but <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of shortening the dynamic, simplifying it. Um, but as the years went on and, you know, you can't, I mean, that's not an effective coping skill. So while I'm praying and, and doing all these things, it was a lot of work, like surrender wasn't exactly coming in the way that, you know, was helpful to me emotionally. And, um, so, you know, I've continued to have, have to get new tools and, you know, seek counseling and then also, um, you know, look at how that impacted my kids. And as they've gotten older, they've been able to express that because, you know, they were concerned knowing that I was being hyper vigilant and, you know, looking out for everyone. So they were, I feel overwhelmed because God didn't mean for me to carry all that. And so then as a result, they might not feel comfortable sharing with me when they're having certain feelings yeah. because yeah. they would feel like that might push mom over the edge. Mm. Um, you know, and, and we now have all these conversations in our house. So we were still talking about feelings. That concept was still, and my kids will say what's different about our family is that they know more about mental health than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but we still have these things going on that weren't working for our family. And then as a result, did not work well for our marriage as, as time went on. Yeah, for sure. So you know, one of the things that I carried into our relationship in, in your marriage is kind of this expectation that I'm supposed to be the, the breadwinner, the provider, right, of the family. And so in my mind, I'm thinking I'm doing all these right things to provide. And if you, you know, reflect back on what I shared earlier in my upbringing, you know, that expectation that, hey, as long as you do all these things, everything looks good on the outside, everything's going to be okay on the inside. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but I just kind of un, unreally knowingly was pursuing that. So. I'm working hard, I'm getting promotions, you know, I'm focused on doing all those things to provide for the family throughout that entire period. And to Sherry's point, you know, she's being hypervigilant to make sure that the family's okay, the kids are okay, that we're okay, which, you know, that kind of rubs the wrong way with me and, and how I cope. Not only that, I'm kind of independent all day. You know, I'm at work, I'm doing my thing, I'm kind of in, in control of my domain. And then when I come back home and now she's trying to control me, that's really uncomfortable. Well, the biggest chance that I have in all of that is the inability to really manage my feelings in an effective way. So as we're going through all this, I'm not really expressing my true feelings. I'm not really taking care of myself in healthy ways. And so what's happening over the course of years is this big stockpile of resentments that are building up. Mm -hmm. And you know, over time, it just really became really overwhelming. And so in the end, my behavior as opposed to being patient, kind, loving, and understanding became much more about angry and, and hostile. And, and there were really two dynamics that you would see play out regularly. If something wasn't happening the way I wanted it to happen, I would either blow up to get you to back off, or I'd completely withdraw from the situation mm -hmm. and just shut down. And again, that was all rooted in my inability to deal with my feelings.
buildings in a really constructive way. So, you know, Sherry made the comment about, you know, yeah, we're in there and we're talking to our kids about what's going on and the experiences that we've had and we're talking about feelings. But, you know, the reality is I was a train wreck inside. So though I'm talking about these things and really trying to do many of these things, because I wasn't grounded in a good place, it was really difficult for me to walk with my kids as they were experiencing their own struggles and help them navigate through that in a way that would ultimately lead to that better outcome. Because again, I'm the provider of the family. I'm supposed to be there, like, you know, giving everything we need, fixing whatever's wrong. And that was completely falling apart because I really lost the ability to take care of myself when it came to understanding the process of my feelings that really helped away. I realize that's not something new for most men, but it's not something most men like to really talk about. Very true. Very true. Well, it it is it's interesting, you guys, because of that external stress, which I mean, I'm so glad you talk about that because that is a that is a reality of parenting that um it completely changes you know, as individuals, the marriage component changes things. And then as parents, it's a whole nother layer that adds new challenges and new external things that what we, how we cope before where, you know, we can't necessarily just, okay, we'll just do this this, the same way we've always done it. Or it makes you go back. And it's almost like you guys were probably a lot of families feel like they get stuck. They don't even realize maybe what's going on. You know, Sherry, you had your particular way of trying to manage it, control it. Chris, you're bringing in a whole different set of way. What's going on here? And, and it was causing a lot of negative kind of reactions inside of you. Um, just out of curiosity. So I know you, you have your story, but also even through your interaction with a lot of families through mosaics and all that, how do you see, do you see similar dynamics like this playing out in other families? And if so, in, in what ways? So, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> And probably, you know, we can see it because we've done it. So, you know, when, so this isn't judgment in any way because because we've experienced these same things. And, um, you know, a lot of times when I see it, I mean, even yesterday I got a call, that expectation thing of, well, I did these things and now I'm here and I don't understand how our family got here. Like, you know, and so, you know, it's it's like they're missing this whole roadmap because, well, so when things start to fall apart, then it becomes, well, you're coping different than me. You know, so you're wrong, like between the spouses. So the kid may be having this struggle over here, but it's like, well, it's his fault. He was busy working, you know, and now, you know, I was doing everything right. So the blame game, um, then what I call um, the bear hunt. We're, we're not going to go through the problem. We're going to try to figure out what is the best way around the problem. You know, <laughs> like, um, you know, if the, the answer, you know, if they call and say, this is going on in my family, what do, you know, what do we need to do next? And I'm like, well, you know, counseling, you know, this is an option, a support group. Well, we don't, we don't, we can't do that. You know, what is there something like shorter? Is there something, you know, less <laughs> involved that we could do? Um, so trying to find a way around it. Um, and then, you know, what I did, the fix it. How can we, um, how can I manage my spouse's broken pieces or my kids' broken pieces so they don't have to hurt? Um, but then, you know, when there's kid is 48 years old and the mom's calling trying to arrange treatment for their or counseling for their 48 year old you know some at some point though managing the pieces 
the kid doesn't get to have their own experience. Um, mm. And, you know, that is one thing I'm so grateful to my parents for is that, I mean, they certainly, I had not, they were perfect at it, but, you know, very early on, they realized, okay, we can't manage this, you know, we're, we're going to have to let her walk through this. Yeah. And that's, you know, how I got the blessings I did. So that, um, you know, minimizing and comparing ourselves to other people, I'll let Chris does a better job of speaking to that because that's kind of his area. But um, <laughs> so, you know, or, or feeling like because we're involved in a church, like we don't need extra help. Like we shouldn't need any kind of help to walk through something. So kind of these, these beliefs that they may not even be conscious of, but they're undermining the family's ability to move forward, get the help they need. Um, and then, you know, playing out with what goes on with the kids. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, I recognize early on is the idea of, you know, trying to control my environment and intellectualize my way through things. And so as I think about some of the, the tools that I was just grasping for, you know, I, I would turn to the turn to the Bible, turn to scripture, turn to Proverbs, you know, like the roadmap for life. And if I just do these things, then everything's going to work out right. And you know, what I've come to realize is that I might still do those things and not get that outcome because there is something in me, some refinement that God is trying to work out, you know? And so back to the, the point that Sherry made earlier around that expectation concept, if I can shift my expectations about what's supposed to be the outcome of something that I'm doing to be more around that expectancy, like open-minded about, oh, I wonder how this is going to turn out. I find that I'm able to see what God's trying to reveal to me in that moment. And then I can do the work on myself to get where he really wants me to be. So I'm, I'm truly being more refined you know, like him. Um, as I think about that full comparative piece, though, and that's the thing that I think is so, so dangerous. And what I would do a lot of, and that is that relativism. Yeah, so I look at our family and be like, ah, it's not so bad here. I mean, look at, you know, look at Bob or Pete or whomever. You know, I'm not doing those things. Like, yeah, I mean, I might yell at Sherry when I get really frustrated, but I'm not, I'm not hitting her. I mean, that's awful. Right? So I minimize, kind of dismiss, um, and just get into that relativism game. And what that, what that did for me is it really was a denial coping me mechanism. So instead of me, you know, looking at what I was doing that was actually contributing to the dysfunction of our family and definitely in my life, I dismissed it because what I saw going on with others that was worse. Mm. And in reality, what I needed to do was pause and stop and reflect on some of those things that really weren't honoring Sherry, that weren't honoring God, that weren't helping me grow as individuals be more loving, compassionate, understanding, you know, helpful, um, and deal with those things. So, you know, as as we look at things today, one of the things that I laugh about a lot is um, in Sunday school class this one time, came in and gave my testimony. And I brought with me a Halloween prop, and it was a skeleton, right? So I pulled the skeleton out of the bag, and I threw it on the floor, and I said, skeleton's coming out of the closet today. And my whole point behind that is that, you know, as I grow, as I you know, walk, I recognize that being more transparent, being more honest about everything is really the key to us being able to experience that wholeness that we're looking for. Mm. And, and if I can share that with others, then they suddenly realize that they're not alone. And then they suddenly have the hope to think they can do that too. And I just know we've had that response so many times around um, sharing and people realizing, okay, it's okay. It's safe to share this stuff with somebody else. And then that's what that opportunity for you know, changing. 
So Chris, that's so good. I think about, you know, pulling the skeleton out. Y'all have been very transparent today, but really opening myself up. Uh, You know, as guys, that's so difficult for us because what if I open myself up and I'm rejected? You know, it just confirms um, what outside forces are trying to tell me or negative thought patterns, whatever it may be. And so in thinking about that, how do you come to a place in your marriage where you find a healthy framework for being able to deal with mental health, mental wellness, especially as it plays out in marriage and in your own lives? I think when we were talking about this, one of the things that we agree that has been probably the biggest help to unravel, because what we didn't get into was later on, Clay really struggled with stomach depression around his around his situation um and anxiety um because it was very <laughs> it was very anxiety producing and and so when we learned as a family to hold space for ourselves individually and then as a result learns learn to hold space for each other a lot of um that gave everybody permission to find some healing in their own way. Because the thing is, when we're laying our expectations on everyone, like, you know, well, I've been through, I've been through the depression. Clay, this is how you need to get through Mm -hmm. depression. Well, then I'm not holding space for him and allowing him to find his way Mm -hmm. through his journey Mm -hmm. because his depression had a different route than my depression. Um, But we have this tendency as parents to say, I have the roadmap follow my roadmap and then you'll get on, you know, <laughs> get on the right way. And when we finally stepped back and said, okay, we're going to be here for you. You know, we're going to get you what resources you need, but you, you, we're going to let you have your journey. And, um, and then we're just going to walk with you in that. Or when my daughter comes home and she's, you know, experienced some difficult things at school and, and, you know, being able just to hold her while she cries and not have to intellectualize that or, you know, just allow her to feel that and move through that. And then when she's ready, if she wants to talk about solutions and then same, you know, with each other. Um, I think when we weren't holding space for ourselves, when I was busy being hyper vigilant, that meant I wasn't taking care of regulating my own self. Well, now that I am doing that, well, that makes it easier if Chris is having a bad day and that anger is rising up. I have, I can let him have that, you know, that feeling, but not step into his space and try to manage it. So it's really helped us as a family be able to come together. And we've seen us all feel, I think, permission now in a different way to feel our feelings before we could talk about them. But I don't think that we were in a heart space where we were able to join together. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think about um, some of the conversations we would have, you know, with family, and just how difficult it was for me to, you know, give that space, create that space. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm the provider. I'm supposed to fix all these things. I'm supposed to create this perfect family. And so when things weren't perfect, like that was really uncomfortable. And so for me to just be okay with Sherry not being okay or Clay. That was that was hard. I wanted to jump right into the solution. It was so commonplace. So being able to carve out that time where I can have my own self reflection to process through what I'm feeling about different things 
and then being able to actually move into Sherry and meet her where she is or, or the kids and where they are and not have to fix it, to her point, opens that door of opportunity. And now you now create that safe space for them to actually open up about what's really going on. And then you're able to walk that journey together as opposed to simply trying to tell them what they should do based on your own experience, which you know, oftentimes that's not going to work. And you know, we, we talked about some of those things earlier around um, things we do. And you know, we've talked before about walking in the morning, running in the morning. And you know, in my past life, that was much more about getting exercise. But now that's about me creating space in my day to make sure I'm taking care of my mental well-being so that way I can be there for others later in the day when things come up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think Chris already talked about the expectancy, and that's a, a huge one. But I think also giving ourselves permission to get help when we need it. Um, that was a framework we already had. So I can't imagine where where we would be today if we didn't have that framework. Because like when we really felt like things were starting to go off the rails, we were like, okay, we gotta get we gotta get some help in here. Um, and you know, hence my passion for mosaics and, and helping people navigate. Um, because a lot of times families just won't give themselves permission to get that help. You know, and I, when I read the Bible, I see people, I even Moses going to his father-in-law, like they, you know, they asked for help. They had people to speak into their lives. And so that has been a huge thing for us as a family um, is when, you know, we don't have the answers. We don't have the answers as parents. We're, we're okay with, you know, going and getting that help. And I think for us, the fact that we did have that understanding going into it, we didn't wait for the crisis. To suddenly have that conversation, we knew, okay, if, if our kids start to struggle, we agree that, you know, we need to get some counseling, we need to get some help, we need to find some support. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think that, and then the last thing would be knowing that it's a journey. <laughs> and that's been a hard thing for us to embrace, um, because because of what we shared, we thought, in a way, our journey, we should have it all together. But but our, that isn't our story. Our story is that God has continued to refine us and teach us. And it doesn't mean that it's because we were doing something so wrong. It's we weren't ready. He wasn't ready for that part of our journey yet. I mean, we weren't ready. And he gave it to us when we were ready. And maybe we needed some help with some tools along the way. And that's okay. So just giving ourselves permission to not have to have arrived, you know, because yeah. we haven't, we haven't arrived. <laughs> but yeah. there's so many things we talk about regarding what we do to take care of ourselves or our things and other parts of our life. So we think if we think about our car, you know, it has the reminder that we go off when it's time to go in and get the oil change, right? Um, if we think about taking care of our fitness, we've got watches that tell us when it's time to get up, move around. And, and all of that is really about prevention. Right, because we didn't change our oil until the engine seized up. It's going to be really expensive and costly disasters. Mm. But we don't have those kind of things for our mental well-being. Like nobody kind of embraces the concept of you know mental health is also something that I need to proactively engage with, just like I do now in my, my physical well-being. And when we do that, you know, the I mean, the change is just amazing. We talk about that concept of doing quick before the miracle. You know, we know unfortunately so many people who in reality, got to a very similar place that Sherry and I found ourselves in our marriage. And it would have been really easy to, you know, take the, the right door and step out because she doesn't respect me enough or, mm. you know, whatever that might be. But instead, you know, we leaned into it and it was a, it was a challenging time, but the fruit that 
benefits come from it, our marriage is better now than it's ever been. And to the point about our kids and how it changes the dynamic in the family, um, we've seen such a change in our kids as a result of our change. Mm. And they even make comments to us about, you know, like, it's amazing, you know, what we've seen happen in you. It gives them hope about what things will be for them. And then they also shared, you know, um, our story with their friends. And they often come back and make comments like, your parents talk about that stuff? <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Then what we hear is, you know, more people need to be doing that. So us being able to share the story and what we walked through and how we, we found a, a solution and a better outcome, that's something we definitely want to continue to do. Well, I love that. This has been such a phenomenal conversation. I feel like we could talk for hours, you know, just exploring this, but we really, really are grateful for uh, for you guys having this discussion with us. And, you know, just, just as a wrap-up thought, you know, one of the things I'm hearing is you talk about, you know, what you did in that Sunday school class about throwing the skeleton on the ground. Um, and I feel like, what a great word. I think there's so much pressure a lot of times on families, particularly maybe in areas that you know, you're looking around, everybody seems to be successful. And uh, you are doing everything you can to preserve this image. And you, there's this fear, if they ever found out that anything was wrong or anything wasn't going quite right. And yet we, we miss out on such, on the, on the beauty of what can happen in our lives if we just get honest, like what you're saying, get vulnerable and get real. Um, you know, and, and I love that word about giving each other space. I think that's a great word for us. And, and that, and to me, it's kind of saying, it's okay not to be okay. It is okay. You know what? I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not going to immediately try to fix. We have space in our family and our marriages to be able to share and unpack what's going on. And we're not going to freak out and try to fix it, but we're going to hold each other and we're going to walk through the journey together. So guys, thank y'all so much for what you do, for sharing your story. Um, hey, as we wrap up, um, if somebody wanted to learn more about some of what you've talked about or if they wanted to connect with you guys, um, how would they do that? Um, so they can go to mosaicsandmercy.com, which is um, the nonprofit website. My email is there and contact information. Um, I will do a plug. If you want to hear Clay's side of the story, we have a podcast on our website called Hope Peace Together. Awesome. He's, I think, episode 22, where he shares his story. We had hoped to have them with us today, but that, that didn't work out. So you can listen to his part, his side of the story um, on that. Um, and then if you want to talk to Chris, you can just contact him through me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we know where to find him. That's right. Cool. cool. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, uh, hey, we want to thank uh, all of you for uh, joining us today. And um, Equip Online, as we mentioned before, is a partnership between Stonebridge Church and Mosaics of Mercy. And uh, Mosaics of Mercy is a, a wonderful nonprofit in our community, and their heart is to connect people to a wealth of great mental health resources um, and support groups and all kinds of great programs to really help get people connected. Um, and uh, we, just want, uh, we just want you to know that Equip Online, our desire is that you would walk in the fullness of life that you've been created for. God bless you.